Welcome to the Christian Life Coach Collective. I'm your host and coach, Lauren Malone, and I'm here to help you become the hero of your own story and learn to be a guide to others. Whether you're a life coach in any niche or you want to become one, or you're just listening in so you can self-coach to lead your own life well, this podcast is here to serve you. I'm super excited to walk with you into your calling and help you create a wonderful legacy for your life. So let's jump in to today's episode. Gosh, I love this topic and I really love helping people start walking onto the path of their dreams. And because it's so deep in my heart, so foundational to my teaching, so much a part of my calling and so hard to walk out alone, I've decided to do a whole series of episodes on dreams and callings. Maybe your dream has to do with being a coach or starting a business or just personal growth, and maybe it has nothing to do with any of these things. It, it really doesn't matter. My heart is to, ho- to bring um, hope, inspire hope within you to discover and create and pursue the things that make you wholehearted and passionate. So we're going to talk about digging for the gold and lining dreams up with callings, letting your dreams and calling influence and form your core message for this season of life and what to do with it all. So I believe there should be dream coaches out there and classes in the high school about how to find and pursue our dreams, you know, and Proverbs nineteen twenty one says that a A person may have many plans in their heart, but the Lord's purpose wins out in the end. And Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, human beings plan their lives, but the Lord decides where their steps will take them. (laughs) So, you know, as the Bible shows us, God's plan is the best plan and his purposes are the best purposes. And yeah, plan A, right? (laughs) But a lot of times we test and try out other things Sometimes because we just didn't hear the Lord tell us to go a different way. We didn't hear him. We didn't recognize him showing us a different path. We didn't even know to ask or we were just choosing our own way. You know what? God is just big enough to overcome all of those obstacles. He's done it again and again in my life. He's done it in your life. He always will. That's his grace. His love and mercy over us is to keep walking up with us. Like even when we stray off of path A, uh, sorry, path, plan A path. (laughs) Like he still goes with us when we choose plan B. He's like, well, I'm not leaving you because nothing can separate you from my love. Even plan B, even your plan, even your way, I'm still going to be with you. And in the end, I have the say. In the end, You know, it says, but the Lord decides where their steps will take them. So even when we make our own plan, we take our own steps. He ultimately is the one who decides where those steps will take us. He ultimately has a good purpose and plan for the end, for where we're going, the top of the mountain, the depths of the valley. And I think it can be really confusing to figure out how to find out what our dreams are and really feel permission to fully own them. And it can feel like there's lots of rules around having hopes and dreams and desires and plans and goals. Like there's boundaries we should be scared of crossing. So it can 
hold us back from ever leaving the safety of our comfortable now and keep us from moving to the outer boundaries to see what's out there and find out what's really possible. But the Bible is full of people digging through life and digging through the crazy and digging into the depths of their souls to find their dreams, right? They try, they test it out, they fail and overcome, they turn around and so on. So some work it out, some don't. And there's not anybody in the Bible who has this perfect story of doing the right thing every single time and never disappointing, never failing, never walking outside of the will of God. So why would we expect we are more capable than Moses? (laughs) Why am I so self-righteous to sometimes think (laughs) that I could walk in perfection or even hold myself to that? And be my own savior, right? Not, I don't need Jesus. I don't need what he did. I can earn something. I can do this better. I can not do that so I stay out of failure. Come on, right? I mean, you probably tell yourself every now and then these things. I do. I have to overcome it. I have to renew my mind. Some people in the Bible, you know, had God's blessing to go the way they went. Some didn't. But When we get scared of God and scared of his disappointment and his wrath and we stop believing, we stop taking action. We don't take, um, we don't take forward actions. We don't move. We don't grow. We do what we can to never fail, never be wrong, never be bad. Well, if we were never wrong, never failing, never bad, then we don't need Jesus, right? His testimony, his scar, like our testimony of what his scars have done in our lives, it doesn't matter anymore. It's not a thing. And that means we're not actually believers and followers of Christ. If we don't believe that what he did was real, valuable, and enough, right? So the problem is that being inactive Accepting a role as a bystander, giving up our dreams and hopes. We fail anyway. We fail to walk in all that God calls us to. We fail to take hold of the anchor of hope that is Jesus. We fail to believe that he's already finished it all for us. And we fail to follow him fully by, you know, just kind of pridefully waiting, wade um, in the, like a shallow pool of self-righteousness. And We just never walk in faith if we know everything that's coming our way. We never get a miracle if we're never desperate. We will never know the depths of God's love if we are perfect or trying to be perfect in our own fleshly striving, right? So this is my desire to dwell in the house of the Lord. And the word says that he does not live in a house of, made of brick and mortar with four walls. He, his def- definition of house is not our definition. We are his house. We are the vessel of the Lord. We are his delight. And he is Emmanuel, God with us, right? So when my spirit leads my soul and the door of my heart is swinging in a direction that lets the spirit within me influence and pour into my soul, instead of swinging the other direction with my soul pouring into my spirit, being led by my flesh, I can trust that God with me 
is leading me because my spirit is leading my soul and my body. And I can trust him with the dreams and the desires within my soul because he's influencing these things. And when our ultimate desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord so that we are with him, the other desires within us, the dreams longing to manifest are influenced by our greatest desire, by our first love, right? Find your delight in the Lord, and he will give you everything your heart really wants. That's Psalm 37, 4. King David had it in his heart to build his God a house, and he was known as a man after God's heart, right? And he said to Nathan, hey, I have a dream to build God a house. He's living in a tent. I have this beautiful palace. I want him to have a house. And First, Nathan the prophet told him, go, the Lord is with you, do all that's in your heart. But then the Lord comes to Nathan and says, I don't need or want a house. Go tell David, not, this is not really my plan, basically. And he doesn't dwell in houses made by men. But ultimately, God did give the plans and meet the dreams of David's heart for his son Solomon to build the house. Because he wanted it to be a house of prayer for all nations is what Isaiah 56, 7 talks about. But he wants it built by a man of peace, not a man of war. And King David was a man of war. And David even went on to start collecting what was needed to build a house of prayer that God wouldn't even allow him to build himself so that his son Solomon would have what was needed to fulfill the dream in David's heart. And Even, you know, it was in David's heart. God heard it. He understood that David was after his heart. And it's not even what God was saying to do. It's not what he needed. But he saw that this man who had a heart after God longed to give God glory and and do whatever he could do to make God great in his land, right? So he does this. He says, okay, well, we're going to, there's a plan. I'm going to take your dream, but I'm going to direct the way it goes. I'm going to say how it lands. I'm going to say who will build it. So David had a plan in his heart and yet the Lord directed his steps. The Lord is the one who decided it was his purpose that won out in the end. Just like we're talking about in Proverbs 16 and 19. So David had plans in his heart and the Lord's purpose wins and he decides where David's steps will take him. He is that good for all of us, right? And I know, you know, David did not sit around and wait for God to tell him what to do. He had a dream in his heart. He wanted to build the Lord a house. God partnered with what was in his heart to do. And it doesn't really matter if God wanted it without God depositing it in there. And it doesn't matter if God put it there. Why are we really asking? We are wondering if we would be taking steps out of alignment with God. And this relays that we don't trust him to still be with us when we go the wrong way. And I'm not saying we absentmindedly or rebelliously pursue things without God. I'm saying that if you 
are a man or a woman after God's heart, then what is in your heart matters to God and he can be trusted to direct your steps. He's doing it all of the time, whether you're paying attention or not. You're always planning your way and he's always directing your steps. He's His purpose is always winning out. So let's take that and overlay it on this concept of, is it okay to have a dream in your heart when you're a believer? Like, is it okay to do something without, um, you know, the writing on the wall, so to speak? Let's just take the dreams in our hearts and trust the spirit within us to lead us and start going after them. If you are a Jesus-loving, God-fearing believer, then take a deep breath, relax a second, (laughs) and step out. Go build a boat. Go get in it. Go start paddling. And when the waves toss you around, do what James says. Believe. Be confident. Don't be tossed around in your mind just because you're being tossed around in your boat. And don't stop believing God about the horizon, about the boat, about the calling to cross the water, just because the water starts doing what water does. Wind is doing what wind is made to do. Storms come. Here's the deal. Life is both great and terrible, good and bad, easy and hard. And we know this, and we know the Bible is telling us that this is true. But regardless, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So let's start there and hold on to that. So when the waves are high and the winds are strong, God is still God. God is still good. God is still with you. There is a dividing between the spirit, soul, and body, yet they're all tied together. And the word of God is the two-edged sword doing the dividing, right? Between the spirit and the soul, like the bone and the marrow. And yet God is the one who formed not just your body, but also your soul, which consists of your personality, perspectives, beliefs, thoughts, feelings, imaginations, your will. He formed all of them because he has all of those things. And you're made in his image, right? And he's very aware of what the world and the enemy does to influence your soul. And he's very capable of overcoming everything that your soul chooses that's outside of his will, both before accepting Jesus and after. He's just big enough and good enough. And your soul's beliefs and thoughts actually lead you to desire to, um, to desire to pursue something, desire to avoid something. They lead to what you fear. And you are uniquely designed to desire certain things and resist others. This is who you are. No one's supposed to be just like you. You're not supposed to be like anyone else. And think of it like this. What is in you reflects the one who made you like him. Don't get up, caught up in the, the biblical language so much that you don't actually hear what it's saying. You were made in his image. So that is not really, I don't say about my children, oh, you were made in my image, (laughs) right? That's not my, that's not my language. That's not what, what we say today. Here's how we interpret it today. You look like me. From my mom's heart, I look at my kids and I go, you look like me. Oh my gosh. Even my stepson, he has a freckle on the bottom of his foot in the same place I have a freckle in the bottom of my, on the bottom of one of my feet. Like, it's, it's beautiful. You look like me. I love that. It means so much to me. And I choose you. You look like me. You were made in God's image. You would look like your dad. 
But if you get stuck in the belief that sin has had its way, the world has had its way, you don't have a lot of value, you certainly don't look enough like Jesus, you don't look enough like your dad in heaven because you're not perfect yet, you really need to revisit what you believe about the work of the cross. Jesus finished it all and that is it. He has brought the restoration between you and your dad and nothing separates you anymore because Jesus is the bridge. And if you believe he's the bridge and you choose to walk across it, you've been redeemed, completely paid for, bought with a huge price because you have value to the one that you look like. Wow, this means that your dreams and desires matter to your dad. Can you imagine ever saying to your child that you sacrificed absolutely everything for them, but what they dream of is wrong, or it doesn't matter, or it shouldn't be pursued because it's not explicitly what you told them to go do? No. I mean, the scripture in Luke eleven eleven says that who would seriously give his son a stone instead of the bread he needs, a snake instead of the fish he asks for, or a scorpion instead of an egg? This comes after he says that if you seek, ask, seek, and knock, the door will be open to you. So go ask, seek, and knock. Seek out the mysteries of God. He loves to show you who he is. And by revealing himself to you, you find out more about who you are, what's inside you. And that said, the dreams of your soul are designed to lead you to him in the context of your original design which came before original sin. You were in God's heart before sin entered the world in the garden. There was an original design for us. And it's a, it, it was an original righteousness before sin ever came. Sin couldn't have shown up if there was no righteousness for it to take over, for it to push out of the way, for it to push us around with. And yes, the world... The sin, the enemy, they all try to move um, the dreams of our soul around because they don't want us to grab onto it. And you can't lose sight of the fact that God designed you to have the, the soul you have because it actually reflects the character and nature of your father. His thoughts and his feelings, his imagination, his will, they're all reflected and revealed through you. And through belief in Jesus and his work on the cross, you are now fully redeemed. And the spirit within you influences your soul to align with God's will, to co-create with him, to partner with him about this dream and these dreams, multiple dreams in your heart. And I think that the enemy wants to keep us in belief because from the time of the garden, he's wanted us to believe God our father withholds from us. But I want to point out something in 1 Corinthians to you. Chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. And the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except his own spirit within him? So too, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And this is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, 
expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. And the natural man doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they're their foolishness to him, and he can't understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man judges all things, but he himself is not subject to anyone's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. All right. Do you hear verse 10? Most people stop with verse 9 about how nobody has seen, heard, or imagined what God has prepared, right? But verse 10 blows it out of the water and says, but God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. So all of the things that nobody had ever seen or heard or imagined that God had prepared has been revealed to us by the Spirit. We have the Spirit. And in Isaiah 64, when it's talking about no one has seen, heard, or imagined, they didn't have the the indwelling of the Spirit inside of them. This was before Christ. So they did not have the Holy Spirit imparted to them. And they didn't see, hear, and imagine the way that we can now because the Spirit is the one who came when Jesus died. Remember, he left earth so that the Spirit could come dwell in each one of us rather than Jesus just always hanging out in Israel all this time. And here I am over on the East Coast of the United States and I can't go be with him because it's too expensive to fly over them so, over there. So I really only see him on TV or get to read the books that he writes, right? <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that instead, the Spirit of God is with me. It's, he is indwelling inside of me simply because I believed in Jesus. And I don't have to go anywhere because this is better. That's what he said. It would be better for us. And down the way in the scripture, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? And then it says, But <laughs> we have the mind of Christ. So this scripture that I'm reading, it's it's quoting Old Testament and then saying, hold on, but God, we have the mind of Christ and the Spirit has revealed all of the things to us that God wants us to know. Hallelujah. The enemy of our souls wants to devastate our spirits, devastate our hope by saying, hey, your dad is always holding back the good stuff. And Our unbelief says, let's just stick with the idea that we really don't know what God is thinking and nobody can really know what his plans are. You know, the enemy will use our unbelief to keep us locked up. Why? Because if you knew the dreams inside of you point to your calling and reveal the character and nature of your father, and then you walk in them, you bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And by the way, Satan hates when that happens. He will tell you that What's in that bag your father handed you is dangerous. It's a stone. It's a snake. It's a scorpion. Don't open it. You simply have to stop choosing unbelief and stop believing lives, right? How do you do that? Well, you instead, you make different choices. You choose to meditate on the word of God. You, d- you choose to actually believe it. You decide and commit to believing God. It's really not that complicated, but... Basically, your brain is designed to change. God, once again, has designed you and equipped you to everything he's called you to, even to the point of designing your brain to be able to be renewed. That's what repentance is, changing your mind, going a different way. So what are you going to do with the dreams and passions and desires of your soul? 
Again, I'm not talking about sinful passion, dreams that are, you know, rebellious and against the nature of God or his will or desires that you, you know, fulfill through fleshly striving. la di da di da Obviously, this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the dreams, passions, and desires of your soul that are influenced by the spirit within you, that you, they're full of life. They're pressing on you to let them out, to let them manifest. What will you do to take action and dig through the rocks to find the gold? And if you find a small gold thread, it's going to lead you to larger pieces, larger nuggets, and they're going to lead to a filled bucket full of gold nuggets that can make a way for you. The dreams and desires within you are part of how God equips you for what you are called to. Romans 12 2 says, don't live the way this world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you'll be able to test what God wants for you. And you'll agree that what he wants is right and his plan is good and pleasing and perfect. And man, it feels so good when you test out what God wants for you. When you walk out and you start taking action, you test it, you try it, you experiment. And when you feel like, wait a minute, this isn't God's path for me, stop. You just turn around. Stop believing that, oh my gosh, I failed. I've probably been separated. He's going to leave me in the valley of death and I will be all alone. Like, shut up, stupid lies. I, I slow down because I always raise my kids to like, you can't say shut up and you can't say stupid. And then I started one day in the car. I said, they were screaming and fighting, <laughs> three girls. And I said, shut. And they all stopped and they were like, oh gosh, is she going to say it? Is she going to say shut up? And I said, your eyes. <laughs> I said, shut your eyes. Because I couldn't say it. I didn't want to tell them to shut up, but (laughs) it was like a natural instinct. So it actually is really hard for me to say shut up because I've trained it out of myself and my kids for 20 years. So, all right, back to, you know, all the good stuff. So I want you to know that your spirit and your soul actually work together to walk you into the fulfillment of God's perfect will and dreams and desires, goals It's part of this process. They don't operate against one another. Your spirit has been redeemed. And though your soul is going through a restorative process, it's part of how you move forward. The word of God is the two-edged sword that divides the spirit and soul. But they are actually knit together by God to make you you. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And learn to lead yourself well. Learn to let your spirit influence and lead and inform what your soul wants and does. We are called to be powerful characters in this story, not sitting idly by waiting for our, you know, fear of and perception of a mean controlling God and our own self-righteousness and just say, okay, life happens to us. That's not what God wants for you. You have dreams and they point you to some really important things that the world around you needs for such a time as this. It's why he put you here now. So we're going to take the next few episodes and dig into what all of this means. But until then, I do want to remind you that all things are possible when you believe and your brain, your mind, your soul are designed to be able to change and be renewed if you're struggling to believe. So 
tell yourself all things are possible because that's what God said to you. If you love him, he will make all things possible for you. Alrighty, have a great day. Hey, thanks for listening. And I would love it if you could leave me a review wherever you listen to this podcast and tell me what you're loving about it. It helps other people who are looking for transformation and change and growth in their lives find me. And if you want to learn about becoming a coach with any of your superpowers, head over to sterlingandstonementoring.com and check out the greenhouse course. See you there.